Misinterpretation Virus 2 by Dr. Stefan Lanka, Beginning and End of the Corona Crisis, translated from German by James McComsky. The definition of SARS and Corona, or COVID-19, states that atypical pneumonia is regarded as the disease-characterizing symptom. If known pathogens can be proven with pneumonia, it is characterized as atypical pneumonia. If not, then as atypical. The defining factor of SARS, coronavirus, and at least 20 to 30% of all pneumonias is that they are atypical. The causes for atypical pneumonias are well known and should not be claimed to be because of an unknown virus. This fact is suppressed by infectious disease experts and virologists and is the basis of the current fear-mongering and panic because the afflicted, the public, and the politicians have the impression that atypical pneumonias are especially dangerous and would be more frequently deadly because there are still no medications nor vaccines for this apparent new type of disease. From the time that a test for the alleged new virus was offered, healthy people also tested positive and the case count was automatically raised, which was covered up by the concerned parties. First, people with typical pneumonias were recorded and then more and more people with other diseases. This is regarded as empirical evidence for the spreading of the virus. More and more diseases are automatically added to the original disease, atypical pneumonia, and this syndrome is claimed to be the new viral disease. The other defining factor, and not just for the SARS and the coronavirus, is that virologists who allege that pathogenic viruses exist suppressed a well-known fact for understandable reasons. The virus test that is used is a genetic test. The genetic sequences which they seek in the test are not isolated from a virus. They isolate typical genetic sequences, which are released in increasing quantities when tissues and cells die. These generally short genetic sequences, which are component parts of the human metabolism, need to be studied further. Virologists can theoretically construct, with the help of a computer program, long genetic strands from many short genetic sequences. These are then claimed to be real viral genetic strands. That is the reason why healthy people who are repeatedly tested have a positive test. Hello and welcome to Dystopian Deep Dives with your host, Natalie Donna. Uh, what follows is a conversation uh, with Amanda Vollmer, who is a holistic practitioner and uh, has studied lots of things like Reiki and uh, chemistry as well, biochemistry. So hello and welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Uh, your view of health is from a holistic lens. Uh, when did you start this journey towards a holistic approach? Well, um, thank you so much for having me. I, um, it, I think it was always really part of me. I, I, when I look back on my life, um, it seemed to be just uh, built into my nature to be curious. Mm. And I assumed that everyone was like that. I had this... Uh, of course, everyone's just where they're at. And I, in my development, I just thought, well, isn't everybody curious? Doesn't everybody want to know why we're here and who we are and what our purpose is and that sort of thing? And so I was always a seeker and a, uh, an avid reader. And I would investigate my world just doing little scientific experiments myself to see what would happen if I mixed this with that or, 
mm. you know, saw saw this bug out there. What would what would happen if I, you know, gave it a challenge? I would always just be curious like that. So um, it it made sense being sensitive as well that I was uh, careful about my interactions with the world. And so when I realized about, you know, the industries out there, how they treat animals, mm -hmm. I was very compassionate to animals. And that opened me up to um, learning more about health, uh, diet, because I decided I would stop eating meat. Um, I also had health conditions from uh, being vaccinated and uh, I had to try to figure out how to heal myself. And so often the wounded healer gets catapulted into their path through uh, illness or some sort of suffering or some sort of an event that really makes them have to do it in a sense. And, and that were, there were a few things that happened there. And then uh, when I was in my early 20s, I, my, all of my grandparents routinely were murdered at the hands of, um, you know, the medical establishment. And that was the next big kicker for me as far as seeing through the veil of, you know, what this world really is and who's running it and, mm. and why would this, why was this allowed to happen? And it, this wasn't about care or, or health. Or, it, it was, right. there were agendas. So, it, you know, once you, once you have these experiences, then you start to, you know, question right. deeper. Yeah, and you were always a, a curious person, and I'm also often surprised by others that aren't as curious as I seem to be. Um, you run a store called Yum Naturals, and I think I heard you say it started because you were a new mother and wanted to find natural baby products. Is that right? Oh, yeah, ultimately. I mean, I trained as a naturopathic doctor, and uh, that really wasn't something I was able to even work as once I was became a single mom and I needed to figure out how to earn a living and really I just I prayed I remember I, I was praying and um, I was trying to figure out what to do and in part it was all um, all these beautiful synchronicities start to line up and, and one of the curiosities was yeah I was I had a newborn I needed something that was completely natural not just a greenwash product something that was um, you know, clean, as clean as I could find. And I, and I couldn't, like I simply couldn't. So that's when I looked online for a recipe and the recipe was okay, but not where I wanted to, to be. And then I started to do what I always did, which was play around and see what happened. And so I started to design my own products based on my background in chemistry um, which was obviously very helpful. And then I had all the, the naturopathic knowledge of herbs and what worked for what, and, and I got to put that all into practice. So it was kind of exciting for me and I really loved doing it. I just kind of didn't stop <laughs> doing <Yeah>. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's great. Yeah. I think it's really interesting, uh, when we're talking about medical tyranny, how a lot of these, uh, remedies and things like this, uh, a lot of people didn't know about, had this knowledge previously, um, you know, a lot of these women were um, midwives, you know, uh, way back when, and, you know, started experiencing, you know, medical tyranny where, you know, their, their views were basically, they were burned as witches. So uh, I, I just think we're experiencing, you know, a very long trajectory of medical tyranny. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it's really 
it's really wonderful that people are sort of refinding this knowledge that I think was kind of hidden from us uh, purposefully. Yeah. And so speaking of that, there was a debate, a, a historical sort of medical debate about uh, germ versus terrain theory. And I think this is why I contacted you um, because you were explaining it pretty well. Um, so what was the germ versus terrain theory debate? Well, ultimately, uh, back when, so really a couple hundred years ago, there were uh, some cataclysms and things that were happening in health. And back, at, you know, where we didn't really know what we knew, where we sort of lost our knowledge, I think we actually knew everything and then we fell and we we went into dark ages and dark times. And uh, mm -hmm. th there were, um, you know, questions as to how people got sick. And oftentimes people believed that it was a, an evil spirit that would make them sick. Um, and that these sorts of superstitions were really running amok. And so this germ theory was born out of a time in which people were very ignorant and superstitious. And the, um, if you look at Dr. Stefan Lenka's work, and he was the one that I found mm -hmm. when I was trying to figure it out, because I already knew there was a problem with the idea of all of these random particles making us sick, um, and there, there has to be more to the story. I already knew intuitively that your nutritional status makes makes or breaks your illness, regardless of whatever you believe the cause to be. But there was more to it because once I learned about homeopathy and isopathy, uh, isopathy took me down into pleomorphic understanding. And once I understood there were cells in our bodies that change shape depending on the pH and the milieu or the terrain of the the system, wow. uh, including all the different levels of pH from the blood into different um, orifices and things, and that that actually made the the disease force express versus not. Um, I, I, ha I had to re-question everything that I thought I knew, uh, and I think that's the mark of someone with uh, an ability to not be locked into false beliefs because if you can throw everything out and then start from scratch and bring in new information and be open-minded then you won't get trapped in um you know you won't get stuck basically i see a lot of individuals as they age get very stuck in their ways and stuck in their beliefs and a lot of it's possibly to do with they're just too tired um to make the changes the energy's not there but i'm i always want to be um learning and i always want to correct something when it's not when it's not right, you know? And um, so I just kept looking and looking in uh, about three or four years ago, I did a video once I found Dr. Stefan Lenka's history because then it all kind of came together where he was saying that the, the, the idea of a virus came out of, uh, you know, the French king and, uh, you know, rubbing elbows with the fraud Louis Pasteur. Mm. And he, and he, they basically came up with this idea of a virus causing disease because it was really easy to manipulate populations when you could use fear as the tool. And as we can see in our history, uh, politicians, governments, oligarchs, kings, etc., love to use uh, Patsy for what they do. So say they make um, an industrial product that has a huge runoff that's causing fish to die. They'll always find a Patsy. They'll find something else to blame 
the what they've done, right? Because they yeah. they never want the liability, and they, they do this with everything. I mean, it's very easy to find these patterns. And so they found one that stuck really well because not the everyday individual has a type of a microscope that could even identify something like that, even if they wanted to. So we have to believe the handler's story. And, um, and they are very good at their, at their propaganda. They've perfected it. I mean, they, they have B.F. Skinner on their side. <laughs> they, have, they have a lot of individuals studying human psychology oh, yeah. and realize, you know, exactly how to manipulate us uh, through fear tactics. And that's really where the idea came from, not from uh, real science or anything. It was actually a political idea to uh, manipulate uh, the, the war, really, and, and try to win, win the war. It was a war tactic. So that's, if you look back at history, you go, wait a second, <laughs> you know, this wasn't like, ooh, we've identified something really super cool. We should really look at this more. And well, I guess we need to invent better microscopes so we can see this. And, and what is it? And no, it wasn't honest like that. It came from deviousness. And there was over 40 years of uh, a very huge debate within the science community of these quacks. They were literally, you know, name called uh, for trying to push this germ theory ideology because they knew um, that there were cells that they were finding under a microscope that change shape. And so you can't have, it's one or the other. You either have a fixed germ when you put it in a body, it makes you sick in a very right. specific way that you can repeat or called cautious postulates, right? right? That you can, you know, have something very scientifically controlled, uh, or you have a bacterium that can change shape into a fungal form or a mold spore or a what they call viral particle that's really just a, a, a solvent that comes in and helps things break down or as used as a toolbox to uh, move nucleic acid um, DNA style material and, and repair cells, you know, that that's very elegant and also has to be looked at very specifically in the living blood. Um, you know, you, you can't, ha both don't like, they can't um, be in the same space at the same time. They, so it's one or the other. And we already know from, you know, Royal Raymond Rife's work, from Gaston Nason's work, um, from all sorts of individuals who identified this particular organism that's in every living thing that is pleomorphic or polymorphic, um, that it's not about causing a disease. It's about getting rid of things in the body or trying to repair things in the body. Um, and they're not they're, they're symbiotic with us and they only will cause symptoms because symptoms are simply the, the, the body's expression in removing the waste, right? If you can't remove it through the liver because your liver's congested or you're in a nutritional deficiency status uh, and you can't do it properly, then you're going to go through the lungs or you're going to go through another excretory organ like the skin, for example. Right. Or you'll ooze anywhere. You'll ooze at every orifice or if, if you need yeah. to, you know, to, to get it out. The body is, is that intelligent. So it really comes down to um, the division came really from the thinking, like Darwinian evolution, very linear thinking, very um, segregational thinking, uh, the, you know, the Frankfurt School, oh. Marxist, <laughs> all this yeah. kind of you know, they're always thought. involved. They're always always in the yeah. <laughs> in the background there. So, how yeah. would you describe, if you could, just briefly, what germ theory ideology encompasses? Just if well, it's 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we know it. I mean, this is what mm-hmm. we're told, right? This is what you learn in school. Mm-hmm. This is the propaganda that a germ floats around randomly and will go inside your body and cause a disease. And then you start producing it. You become a little factory for the germ. And then now you're contagious. And now you're going to give it to somebody else and they're going to get it as well. And then you can take that germ out. You can isolate it and then you could give it to somebody else. You could, you could isolate it and give it to a healthy subject and they would have the exact same symptoms as that particular germ. So it's one germ, one disease, and therefore uh, one cure, which of course <laughs> they've got all ready for you with a lot of money behind it um, yeah. for them, of course. So this, is, this idea um, not only was helpful politically, but it was helpful to make a lot of money because we had these big oil barons who were creating all these chemical corporations, right? And once they could pump out the petroleum, they realized that they could make these synthetic drugs out of the petro- petroleum yeah. and they needed to sell this stuff or, or how could they market it and the, the the ideology the germ theory belief system goes hand in hand with the sales and the marketing right so it's yeah. just one big long huge marketing scandal based on rockefeller um, medicine and carnegie as well as in there and, and ford and all of these uh, rich rich barons back in the day that uh, put all their efforts together to Basically, um, like you were saying, witch hunt, <laughs> all the homeopathic uh, hospitals were destroyed, all of the natural uh, healers were not allowed to practice because they started something called licensure. Mm. So they did um, this, this kind of this trick where they convinced everyone that they were the sudden authority on medicine. And if you didn't have their licenses and go to their schools, mm. um, then you're nothing and nobody. And if you try anything, then they'll fine you, jail you, torture you and do what they've pretty much been doing all the way up until now, just getting more sophisticated with it, really. Yeah, I mean, Rockefeller medicine is a a huge part. I mean, Johns Hopkins is, you know, actually one of the major sources of information concerning uh, what we are calling Um, Mm SARS-CoV-2. Just, uh, yeah, people are honking. It's just a busy night out there. Um, <laughs> so just, um, just because I usually approach these in ways like where I assume people who are listening to this know nothing about what, you know, I'm talking about. Um, but I hear a lot people speak about allopathic medicine, which is what we know, what we're the system that we're used to. And then we have something, I guess what a lot of people are calling integrative medicine. So what are the two and what are the differences between them? Well, you have in an allopathic system, it's basically, you know, they adhere to the germ theory. Um, You know, vaccines are good, save lives. If it wasn't for them, we'd all be dead and all this kind of propaganda that it's basically a cult. I think of allopathic medicine as a cult. I'm writing a book on that very topic, actually, um, and explaining it you know, how it's run like a cult, how this, the whole institution uh, will haze the students at the beginning, uh, will pick uh, refined egos that are um, very, you know, self-centered and uh, just interested in making money or status. And, you know, those who are spiritual or grounded are usually uh, exed, exed from the system uh, or won't last in the system, uh, mm. you know. So this, the allopath is based 
based on um, the belief that a symptom is bad. So if you get like a stuffy nose, that's bad. And you take their drug and their drug makes the stuffy nose go away. Um, Or you have um, a specific symptom, say uh, you have GERD or you have a, you have acid reflux or something like that. Mm. They, they, come up with theories that are unfounded um, and they can easily manipulate science to come up with their, their hokey um, hypotheses. And um, they have ghost writers. They have all kinds of ways that they can get that job done. Um, they have their peers and their people approve yep. it so it looks legit. And then they go ahead and sell a drug for it. And again, it's based on suppression. So they think that if you uh, leave with a drug and then you take it and your symptom goes away, then you're cured. And that's, that's their definition of cure. Um, now in the, so then there's integrative, which is a, is um, just a next step <laughs> away from <laughs> the allopathic system, but it isn't the whole enchilada. Mm-hmm. Um, that is basically, um, so say functional medicine doctors or people who are still indoctrinated as MDs into the cult, but they're, they sort of get it. They read their, bi- they actually read their biochemistry text <laughs> and realized that nutrition is sort of part <laughs> of the, the puzzle. It's like so, a really big part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like, okay, so let's try to integrate, you know, some of the like common sense information about natural and detoxing and these sorts of things. And, and, and at the same time, we'll still dole out the antibiotics and still promote vaccines and all these kinds of stuff. So they're kind of like, you know, partially with the program and partially with, you know, the other side. So they're not all the way there. I would say you want to think about finding proper holistic practitioner. A holistic practitioner understands the interaction between you and nature and that it's not separate. Um, Innate healing in the body is what you want to support. You understand the intelligence of the body. You're not arrogant to think that you know more than the intelligence of the body. And in fact, you're, a, you're basically a refined listener and you, mm. you've trained all your senses to look at that individual, to listen to that individual. I mean, you take an hour to, to an hour and a half just on the first session to get the entire history from birth from that individual so that you are like a detective and you're mm. pulling together all the story and finding the common ground of what they're expressing. And you'll find it every time. You'll, they'll have, you know, my shoulder hurts and then my knee hurts and I got low back pain and my ears are ringing and all this stuff. And if you go into the allopathic system, they will treat everything with a different specialist and they will never connect the dots. But if you yep. go into a holistic understanding, you realize, well, that's the kid all those symptoms are coming from the kidneys and the liver, which work together. And all we need to do is refine those organs and all of your symptoms will naturally resolve. So it's, um, it's way easier. Yeah. (laughs) I I would talk about uh, empowerment through health often. And so I think it's pretty obvious that this approach is probably better for the empowerment of the individual. Um, You know, sort of just, I am always astounded, you know, when you speak of the specialists that they send everybody, you know, like this sort of carousel of doctors you're supposed to see, you know, well, I don't know what it is, go see so-and-so. It's it's kind of amazing. I mean, we're in this age of so-called technology, which is a whole other conversation, but, you know, you'd think that all of this information, all this data would be, you know, there and looked at and scrutinized and, you know, hey, maybe this is it, you know. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't seem to be that way. And I, I do think that, uh, 
<laughs> they take advantage of people and they make them sick. Um, oh yeah. So, and I know you've, you've talked a little bit about cancer uh, and cancer um, issues and taking care of yourself in a more holistic way. Um, and I've, you know, my mother passed away of cancer last year. So, and I just saw, I saw her just go through this therapy that, you know, was killing her and it was, it was, it was pretty horrible. So, um, yeah, I, I've been sort of since this started kind of wondering, well, what are they doing kind of behind the scenes? And I had never heard of a lot of these things before. So it's, it's all kind of new and very interesting to me. And it also, yeah, you're right. The patterns repeat themselves no matter what sort of niche topic you're discussing. Um, mm -hmm. So speaking of maybe just SARS-CoV-2 again, um, and what they're calling a vaccine, which I, I guess this is MRA, mRNA technology, and shouldn't, shouldn't it be called something else? It's not really a vaccine, is it? No. And I just want to say, I'm very sorry to hear about, you know, the loss of your mother Thank you. into that system. And because I know it personally from seeing my grandparents go through it, my grandmother had ovarian cancer, mm -hmm. which uh, she, if you know anything about it, it actually can present very insidiously. So they usually start to get like stomach pain. So it's, it, it appears they have a stomach issue or low back pain. Um, and so she went to her practitioner and they just kept giving her Tums and telling yeah. her to go home. And so they never even did the proper workup or even knew the literature and the statistics or any of that stuff to even look or check. And then by the time they sorted it out, she was already metastasized and full blown. Mm -hmm. And um, they tried, of course, the poison burn thing and whatever, but uh, they caused it. And this is, this is how they run. They start you out by poisoning you so that you, they make a customer for life, right? So yeah. she, uh, she had a, hyster a partial hysterectomy. And of course, they left the adnexa in, which is the, the ovaries and the tubes, and those can rot. Mm. in the body so that become becomes cancerous and uh so it's a it's it's a suppressive ideology it's an uh it's a it'll maybe buy you some time if it does suppress for you know a few months or a few years but that's generally what you'll get out of it and then then by that by that point it's it's over so you can't really mm. do much more and it's very hard to do holistic approaches as well but um back to your question yeah, what's happening now is, um, if you want to go there, uh, it's it's <laughs> more than it's. This is not. <laughs> there's there's this is nothing, absolutely nothing to do with it with some sort of disease. This is a this is their fourth industrial revolution move. Mm -hmm. This is a political agenda uh, to call the Great Reset, mm -hmm. and they're using uh, technologies that they've long perfected. Okay. This is not like they've rushed to make a vaccine or some kind of story. They tell you this has been in the works for a very long time. You don't just come out with a, uh, an MRNA uh, genetically modifying altering injection, which is actually a therapeutic drug and not a vaccine based right. on their own definition. Um, they, they, they've got this. So, so there's a few different, I'm, I'm assuming there's a few different ones. Um, they have a few agendas. One, They've got to, they're, they're bankrupt. Uh, they need to make the, the money change for them. They got to write off their debts and make a fresh economy or else they're done. So there's that. 
uh, there's a their eugenicists. Yeah. All of the, the they they want they want a specific type of race. They want to uh, engender the race toward what they want. They want the perfect slave. Um, so they're trying to genetically modify the population and have been for a very long time. Um, they also have agendas of depopulation. So they don't need now that they have robotics. They also don't need so many useless eaters. So there, um, I believe that there, one of the vaccines is targeted for anti-fertility uh, mm-hmm. reasons. So, uh, for example, we're seeing a lot of uterine ble- bleeds from uh, women who are getting uh, uh, the Pfizer vaccine. Um, and we know what that's about. Uh, if you're getting a uterine bleed, then obviously it's affecting your um, your uterus, right? Right. Yes. So, I mean, it's not hard to figure out. Um, and we're seeing a lot of nervous system uh, configurations, which I think in those individuals, they've uh, probably had the test before. Uh, and what the test is, is it's not a little innocent cotton swab. It actually is a silicone-based uh, end, which has nanoparticles in it. So it's a, you know, the uh, M-O-R-G-E-L-L. I'm not going to say it because if I say it, you'll yeah. be censored like crazy. So <laughs> more and then the G-E-L-L-O-N-S, you can look that up. But what oh. people are experiencing with that is the nanotech coming out, uh, going crazy in their body, which is a silicon-based organism or life form that will uh, do some pretty uh, alarming things, especially now you've got a combination effect of the injection, which alters your DNA. It will place new DNA into your mm-hmm. genome. And that goes hand in hand with the swab. Can you imagine you got swab going all the way back, rubbing on the cribiform plate, placing nanotech into there. Because I think what happened is they were trying with the chemical trails, the chemtrails for ages with the nanotech. They've been spraying and spraying and spraying and experimenting on different populations and trying all these different ways to get the nanotech to work. And I think it's not working the way they hoped. And so the test is a perfect way to get it right up into the brain. And maybe it'll take that way because if you want to um, completely AI your population, you've got to get the nanotech working and then you've got to make sure that the DNA goes into alignment with what your, you know, your eugenics ideology is. So that's what this is. This is, this is we're guinea pigs. Well, I'm not, they're not doing anything to me, but you know, for all those people who have fallen for the hoax, who are yes. hoodwinked into the fear, who don't have the ability because they're already dulled down by the fluoride and the GMOs and the poison and the sugar and the drugs that they've been given in the previous vaccines they've been given, they can't think anymore. They just watch the TV and believe everything that's right in front of them and are running around in fear and, and basically running off the cliff. So those people are very hard to wake up. Uh, they would need some serious gut detox and, um, and deep healing and, and reprogramming like com- people coming out of a cult basically in order to figure this out. But for those of us who are awake and, and have seen this coming with the UN Agenda 2030 and all the different, you know, World Economic Forum uh, jazz going on, and, and they've, they've shown us through Hollywood, which they own, they've already given us the, the movies, the dystopian movies, that <laughs> they want us to, to live and all this kind of garbage. And they're trying to sell this AI robotics like it's something awesome. Uh, it's completely 
warped. I think these people are really lost their minds. Um, yeah. You know, and they're, and the, they're and, chasing after things that I would I would call unnatural, um, which um, like things such as death and decay and things that we don't really like to face in this culture. But you know, other cultures definitely have you know with other traditions i'm just thinking of the tibetan culture right now and sort of that you know what their belief systems are lots of cultures have made peace with death but we we here over in the west i guess to sort of just generally you know describe it and we're so afraid of of the of death and decay and we're always trying to fight things that we can't actually and you can't you have to just face these things as part of the natural, you know, progression of life, you know, death is involved in that. But I think transhumanism, you know, is sort of a fight against death. They don't, they want to upload their consciousness or something like this. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, but they, and you're right, I think they do just, it, they want people to just be machines, you know, and um, use their bodies in whatever way. I'm not really even sure what it would be at this point, but um so yeah they're just i think they're and i think what they're doing with the different states uh you know all these different policies right none of them are congruent so you've got all these different states like florida for example uh a huge elderly population the numbers are, are actually not that bad <laughs> because these mm -hmm. people are out in the sun experiencing vitamin d and you know they have fresh air and you know they're near the sea and that's nice and then you have Atlanta uh, or like Georgia where their policies are also very sort of lax and that's a huge black population. And I just see them running these giant control groups <laughs> mm -hmm. for this thing that they're doing. And I'm, I'm sort of surprised that, that other people haven't really caught on to it. Um, mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, you're right. There's a ritualistic element here. Um, that's sort of a little pet topic I have. Um, you said you've said mask wearing is ritualistic. Uh, what are some of the reasons you say this about the policies surrounding uh, SARS-CoV-2? Well, the the there's a lot of rationale for when you're trying to run this laboratory experiment on the world, you have to try to get some controls. And if you, uh, first of all, it's a really good way to find out your resistance level. So which are the ones that obey? right? Um, versus which are the percentage of the population that don't. Mm -hmm. So it'll give you, it gives them a gr immediate feedback to how their dumbing down programs have worked mm -hmm. uh, and in different populations and in different countries as well, because they've worked hard to destroy any country that wants to get away from their federal reserve system and get out of debt from their IMF, um, you know, takeover and all of these sorts of policies and, and trade, you know, embargoes and all the things that they've been doing over the over quite some time on starting wars to get the politicians bought you know the ones that they want the correct dictators so they they've got their puppets in place for all of this stuff so um i'm sure they're collecting their ai is collecting a lot of data right now on you know how many are uh adhering to these illegal um things that they're saying i mean they're basically saying as suggestions, but they're making it sound like you have to, or you're going to go to jail, right. but it's actually illegal. And if the, if anyone actually had any courage or a spine, they would realize that they should take the fines and they should go even go to jail overnight. They can't hold you. They can't do anything. 
right. uh, to you because it's 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 illegal. They don't have a leg to stand on. It's all intimidation tactics, mm-hmm. and so they're trying to bully people into compliance and to see how many real fighters they've got, real warriors, and then they're probably very pleased with the amount of sheep that are just <laughs> yeah. doing it. It's incredible. Um, and also, it's a wonderful psychological experiment. I mean, mm-hmm. you could really push people's buttons. How long can you cage in th- this animal uh, before it's going to you know, explode and, and, and become violent? And they don't see us as human. They see us as, as animals, as, right. as cattle, right? Agreed. So the so they're going to just see what, poke the prod at us and see how much it takes us to get angry and to say no and whatever. They want to see what level of resistance we have. So we're damned if we do and damned if we don't. But I'd rather uh, be the one that's, you know, not complying and trying to get people, w- uh, uh, you know, waking up to it than, you know, pretend or, or anything like that. I wouldn't do that because I have what's called integrity. And a lot of people don't seem to have that these days. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what... What is integrity? What does that mean? I don't even, what is yeah, that well, inte- <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of people don't see, don't seem to know it, um, yeah. or what that means for them. But yeah, it's it's in the six feet apart. We know from the Heart Math Institute that the heart field ranges six feet. So we're you know your two meter rule or whatever arbitrary non scientific idea that they had is only based really on keeping people from uh, connecting to our inner, you know, knowing and feeding information between ourselves properly. And if you don't, if you wear a mask, it is very hard to read someone. It's very hard to understand where they are emotionally. I could see someone walking down the street and look at, study their face, their, uh, all the different muscles and things, and I'll know whether they're angry, happy, smug, you know, whatever. But now, no clue. Have no clue where anybody's at in their face, and I don't even really look at them. I don't. They don't. I don't see them. What, yeah, the mask I feel from. like, but like I think both parties have sort of become invisible to each other um, mm-hmm. because there's been a lot of propaganda surrounding people who won't wear a mask. You know, we're all psychopaths, apparently. Um, and I, you know, personally, I don't unless I have to go shopping, and I've actually been really fortunate where I, you know, I said, I sent my boyfriend to do a lot of the shopping, to be honest. Um, and, and that's something else that I'm so, all the little things that I just used to love doing, like I actually love to go to the grocery store and buy food because I love cooking. And, you know, they kind of took anything, any sort of solace, little tiny solaces away from us. And your whole, uh, you know, way of life is being eroded. And I don't know why people aren't more upset about that, but <laughs> I'm I'm still yeah. pretty upset about it. Um, oh, me and, too. It's a psychological psychological torture. That's yeah. what it is, completely. Yeah. So you know, we we've got um, these experiments going on, and they've they've destroyed our culture. They've destroyed. Mm-hmm. I mean, there have been businesses that have are part of our culture. That's what our culture is. When you go and you walk down a, a strip of stores that you know, like this person's the butcher who does this, or this person has this store, they've been running it for 15 years successfully, or this, you know, like we had a bookstore in town here and the the gentleman was from the UK and, uh, you know, he had his personality and he had these sorts of things. Like, you know, it's your culture, it's what you do. And they've taken all of that away. They've destroyed our routines, um, Mm -hmm. our activities. um, And, but meanwhile, 
you got Hollywood pumping out the stories. They're not doing any social distancing or mask wearing or anything. They're just doing whatever the hell they want. Um, so why can they, why, why are they allowed to do big movie sets? Um, but we're, we have to mask up and we're not allowed to, you know, we're, they even say mask in your car. I mean, they, I do they gotta be, they gotta be laughing. Uh, oh, <laughs> I gosh. see them sometimes. Um, Unbelievable. I, you know, most of the time, I mean, I feel like, and it's also a reminder, right? Like I think m- many people by now probably would have gotten fatigue from this whole mm-hmm. situation if we weren't reminded constantly, you know, by people around us who are, um, still doing it. But I, I mean, it goes back and forth here. Uh, I, I'm on the East Coast of the United States uh, in Philadelphia. And yeah, it, it's where I live in my neighborhood, there's lot, lots of young people. So, you know, the mm. first round of kids wasn't really doing it. And then we got a new sort of second round in the next uh, semester when it started or whatever. And a lot of them were doing it a bit more. I don't know. I, I guess they're sort of used to the the generation a little bit younger than me is used to using this technology all the time so maybe it feels more normal to kind of be put in the digital box so to speak yeah (laughs) i guess i I don't i the generational gap has gotten very large um it's really alarming as well because they've been of course they they work on each generation as much as they can to toward their agenda. And I think with the, the third industrial revolution, with the computer age, they've really gotten, you know, where everyone basically has a computer in their pocket at this Mm -hmm. point. Uh, And most people are addicted to scrolling and, and all the dopamine, you know, and serotonin hits you get from the Mm -hmm. reward system, just like Skinner knew. Um, (laughs) We have a, a, a very vacuous, a uh, twenty-something-year-old population that has no clue what's going on. They're they're abs they're absolutely uh, tailored for inputs only. Okay. They're not curious about the world. They don't want to learn anything extra. For the most part, from what I've seen, you're always going to get your fringe sorts. But that the majority bulk, they're literally just tell us what to do and we'll do it. Sorts of people. And it's yes. alarming to see it because they're going to be the ones that um, are stuck in this dystopian thing. And they won't know the difference because they've worked hard to kill the majority of our elders now. Yeah, um, I think that's part yeah. of what, what they were doing with this um, experiment. Uh, yes. Yeah, I think that was a big part of it. And I think what they do with the generation gap thing is because this technology keeps growing at a ridiculous sort of exponential pace, it does and it doesn't. I mean, I, mm. I look at the technology, I'm like, well, I still can't get my Bluetooth to work properly for this lady who's calling <laughs> me on a Zoom call. So it's sort of a fantasy still, I think. And we have all these futurists kind of shooting towards this, what I believe to be a very self-destructive, you know, fantasy. I was listening to... I believe, let me look at my notes. It was, you mentioned him earlier, but you had translated, it was a German doctor, you you had translated uh, Stefan Lanka. Yeah, Dr. Lanka, yep. Oh, Lanka, okay. Lanka, it's a German name. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I narrated it because I found it, I thought it was so important and I didn't think a lot of people were going to take the time to read it. And Mm -hmm. so I thought to narrate it so someone's driving or whatever, they could listen to it in pieces and so forth. But yeah, it's 
it really breaks down how there's there's legitimately no virus. Um, doesn't right. exist. The, the, so the whole thing. Is have just there ever been false. control experiments uh, surrounding the discovery of what he's calling SARS-CoV-2? From what my understanding is is they take tiny pieces of things that they find and they have to lengthen them through Carrie Moles' PCR technique um, mm -hmm. so that they can study them, right? Um, and what he was saying, I believe, in that thing that you narrated was that, uh, I, I wrote down what he, his sort of steps were. We assumed it was, we assumed, which he writes, and in in, this is Drosten, I think, mm -hmm. we assumed, um, it was involved in an outbreak in a SARS outbreak. And uh, mm -hmm. number two, we downloaded sequences from GenBank. And number three, uh, we aligned using an assay design uh, from 2009, uh, mm -hmm. from like a 2009 N sequence or something like this. And I'm just like, wait a minute. So they're just sort of patching things together and they're not even really finding they're not isolating anything at all. No, 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 and never have. This is right. this is what people have a real hard time with. That, yeah. That what they're calling isolation is not what you think isolation is. Mm -hmm. Isolation is like you're supposed to find the organism that you're talking about. You're supposed to purify it so it's only that thing. Right. And then you're supposed to remove its DNA structure. And then you're supposed to put in DNA, by the way, it's long, it's huge. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's, it's not even what PCR is going to copy. PCR is going to copy bits of it. Yeah. And so you have this huge long sequence and then you're supposed to map that. That's what we are told or that's what it sounds like they're doing. Mm -hmm. But that's not at all what's going on. And first of all, they cannot isolate this thing because if they took it out of the body and they put it, you know, in a whatever isolation chamber or whatever sophisticated thing you think they have, it denatures immediately. The second it hits air, it's over. So there's nothing to, to, to get into. It's already denatured, okay? So what they have to do is take uh, a sample of either human tissue or blood or something of the body and put it in a Petri dish and try to grow it and so they have to also control the other microorganisms in it because we are teeming with microorganisms. We have 10 times more microorganisms in our body than our own cells. Mm -hmm. so, so 10 times more cells than our own cells. We're more that, that than us. Um, and so they have to use antibiotics to kill bacteria. They have to use antifungals to get rid of fungal, fungal forms. And they have to also shock the the t the area um, by putting in cortisol or cortisone. That's what they do. They have like this mixture they put in, and basically, when you shock a bacterium, so we're talking about pleomorphism now. When you shock the bacterium quickly, it will create these particles where it holds its own uh, genetic sequence uh, in reserve. So that when the coast is clear and the terrain is back up and running again, it can then go back into any cell, inject its uh, materials, and come back to life again, essentially. It's like a self-preservation mechanism that it has for fast shock. Um, if it's a slow shock, like the temperature's slowly changing or the, the pH is slowly altering, 
then it will make a uh, like a basically a plaque or or a um, uh, a smaller particle that can grow back up into a bacterium, right? But it's it's not going to go into the phage form. So basically, they can make these things change shape and then call it the virus. Um, so they can't. They then have to take that and they have to try to isolate the materials they're looking for. And it's not like what I think people think that we're so sophisticated or something that we can grab it and read it down to this letter, like some sort of numbers and letters are just going to come out of it. Um, you know, <laughs> it's, it's all got to be translated. I mean, I just, I find it fascinating what people believe, but this, the way they do it is then they grab um, this particle, which is basically broken down um, DNA of bacteria. So mm. partial bits of DNA of bacteria. Okay. And they have to try to see what it is similar enough to in their database. And then they go and grab the rest of what looks like it might fit. Right. And then they go and they buy that, that uh, sequence from GenBank. Yeah, what and is then they, GenBank? It's human DNA. Well, it's not. It's uh, it's it's got DNA as a bank, so genetic banking. So, right. right. So it's got materials like a seed bank, right? But for hmm. genes, is it actual and, genetic material or is it like computer? Um, well, if you want to actually try to fake this isolation, then you have to get the 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 materials. So mm, you will physically okay, get the materials shipped to you. So you can order them. Mm. Like the the scientists will order on GenBank the materials that I it needs, see. and then you can throw it together in your PCR. And mm -hmm. once you try to sequence it, and then say you've isolated it, and it's a what Stefan Lanka calls a circular argument because you made the piece of DNA that you're calling the thing that you're isolating it, and now you're mm -hmm. growing it up in PCR and you're comparing your sample against the sample you just made. So you're comparing what you made against what you made. So of course you made the thing you think you made, which is the virus. So it's insanity is what it is. The worst science, it's not science. It's, it's, uh, it's scientism. It's this religious belief, this cult that's yeah. happened. You know? I, and, and a lot of the people who sort of believe in the church of COVID <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, are, are sort of like, well, don't you believe in science? And I say, well, don't you? Because I don't see a lot of what I would have remembered from at least just high school, basic, you know, scientific method situation mm -hmm. here. You know, it's all very surprising to me um, that more people don't remember sort of just even basic rules around I mean, let's uh, use the asymptomatic narrative that they have going on where, I mean, basically in the past we knew, okay, if we were kind of feeling yucky, we would not, you know, go around other people, right? And now it's like, well, who knows, right? Uh, you could have it, so you shouldn't be around people at all, ever. Um, it, it's really wild it's for, and people just questioning their own health and their own um, intuition about how their body is working and feeling at the time. Mm -hmm. it's I remember in the 80s, I remember, you know, those Dayquil 
commercials where they'd be like, oh, wake up feeling sick. Here, t- pop some DayQuil and get your ass to work, right? Yes. It's like, <laughs> like they didn't care about contagion then. They didn't care about any of that. They're like, get back to work. So you'd suppress your symptoms. You're still going to be shedding whatever the heck they think you're going to be shedding. Yeah. Um, but that's okay. Go into work anyway. And now it's like, if you think that you're, um, if you're a breathing human, you could be transmitting it. Like they, <laughs> they're so good with the lying. They're like professional liars. Um, yeah. The asymptomatic thing really was like, I'm like, whoa. I mean, these guys. I gotta applaud these psychopaths for what they've done. The lies that they've been able to sell the population about asymptomatic carry. What a load of garbage. Yes. There, there is no, and and here's here's how they get away with it though. It's brilliant, really. It's only own like uh, I think my friend Jason Kristoff says says Satan would blush, <laughs> at, you know, at how they you know managed to pull this off because they can just you know take a particle out of anybody, symptomatic or not, and say you you've got it because they have this this false uh, technique right? Which isn't a test. It's a technique of, of repeating DNA. Right, exactly. Do do? Yeah, just, re, re, just replicate, just do the photocopier enough times to make the stack big enough to go, oh yeah, you definitely have it. That means you're carrying it. And the only thing that you can actually carry are your genes, your alleles, mm. right? Like for example, that's a, they took that terminology right out of genetics. Genetics says you carry a trait, right? So when you have a baby, that trait may show up in that yeah. baby because it's a, it's a silent carrier. So you have like a big T and a little T allele for a certain trait. And if the, the, the dad and the mom both have that same mix, you have a one in four chance of having like two little T's together, right? So the, the ones that didn't show up in the dominant are coming through in the recessive gene trait. Mm. That's the only thing that carries. Everything else is just absolute scientism, bollocks, lies, shame on them all. They're absolute devils. Um, you don't, and not even that, even if you are presenting with symptoms, that's not how contagion works. This is where I'm excited. I'm excited for the scientific revolution that we're literally in right now. Cause finally we get to talk about the germ theory being a hoax. Finally, we get to talk about the contagion myth. Finally, we get to, to talk about all of the, 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 the lies that we've been sold about germs causing disease and, and how it act, the body actually does work. And now we get to talk about energy fields. You know? Now we get to talk about belief systems and how strong and powerful our mind is. Mm. I mean, you can just believe yourself. I mean, DARPA into, knows. You know? DARPA knows. DARPA, yeah. <laughs> they know. They're, they're, they know. It's one of their pet projects, you know? Um, Absolutely. Neuro. Yeah neuroscience <laughs> NLP yep all that absolutely yeah. like so how brilliant they, we are mm, yeah I think mm-hmm. part of this is also like um people people have maybe are suffering a collective amnesia about how powerful um they can be um with mm-hmm. with you know their thoughts and their their minds um, and I think, again, that's, that's part of this elitist group that wants people to think that they're powerless. They, I believe they want to purposefully infantilize people and take away, you know, what I believe is their natural power as creators, you know, on the, on the planet. Like, you know, not just through our thoughts, but through lots of different things of art, etc. So yeah, I just <laughs> it's it it it's evil to me. I don't I can't really think of another word for it. Um, 
So what I, this is sort of a random one, but I, I know that recently fluoride, we've, we finally proved it, right? Even though we've been saying it for a long time. Um, but for people who don't know about fluoride and what it can affect is it's true. It affects your pineal gland. Is that right? Oh yeah, absolutely. If you look in the periodic table, um, you have a, a, the halides, they're all in a list. And so you've got like fluoride and you've got an iodines in the same category. Um, you've got uh, boron involved there as well. And all of these um, halides, uh, they affect the glandular tissue of our body. So that's why, you know, your thyroid, um, your pineal and your, actually the female reproductive organs mm -hmm. and breast tissue in the brain require, you know, iodine essentially to function the metabolism and so if you use fluoride it will denature a lot of or overpower a lot of the iodine for example mm. you'll also have a situation where the fluoride will has a dulling or numbing agent on the, the cognition seems to slow down as a neurotoxin as an actual neurotoxin it slows mm. down thinking and a number of processes in the body um, but then you've got this uh, pineal problem where it actually damages it and causes scar tissue. And over time, scar tissue becomes calcified tissue. Right. So like anybody who's had a fascial tear, or any sort of issue in the muscle, um, they'll know that they'll have limited range of motion simply from scar tissue or say a burn victim, right? Mm. Like they can't move because it's too tight. And over time, that will uh, lead to calcification and deposits of wastes. And so when if you don't have a, a, the third eye is basically a, a spe specific type of nerve bundle. So there's different concentrations of nerve bundles in our mm -hmm. body. And it's like a network, um, you know, where networks cross over and share a lot of data. And that is, if you don't have that working for you, then you're not able to access higher mind functions. Mm -hmm. um, and you're also not able to connect to the higher um, nerve bundle <laughs> uh, electronic, you know, uh, roadway system that's actually outside of your body on your field. Because mm. we're electrical beings yes. and we have fields that are e measurable, changeable. It's not like some conspiracy or some kind of hokey, whatever. We have this all measured. We know we have fields. Like you either just don't know because you're ignorant or you've, you're well read and you understand that we have electrical fields that come off of us. And so if you can't connect to your field, then you're not going to be able to pick up subtle energy cues. You're not going to be able to read people if they're lying or not. You're not going to be able to even have um, some of the hormone um, modulators that come back and forth into the body, they might not be picked up properly. So you might like be attracted to the wrong mate. Um, yeah. Like caffeine can do that actually. Uh, if you read the book Caffeine Blues, it, it, if you if you caffeinate yourself um, highly, you will actually choose. You will not smell the pheromones appropriately, and you will actually choose the incorrect mate. Wow. And so it's like. <laughs> So you could actually do a scientific study. It says, these are the people who drink coffee, these are who don't, and their divorce rate, you know, <laughs> which is fascinating. It but is. so, you know, there's so much we still have to understand about right. what we are, right? right? And so so using boron or borax is how you clean that up. And it is vital that everybody every day, if there's one thing 
okay, there's two things. I'm going to go, I'm just going to whittle it right, down to because, two things. Because that was yeah. actually the, the last question, because I know a lot of holistic medicine, we talk about how to detox your system. So let's, yeah. Yeah. What are the two things you would Okay. Do? Well, you're right. So, so the body has to always keep itself in self. And if it's, if non-self or other gets in, it's got to get rid of that. After a certain age, once it figures out its world, it eats the dirt, it gets all the microbes all seeded, it figures out everything that it's, it's got the innate information from the mother's breast milk and it knows what, who it is, where it is, what's, what to eat, what not to eat. Then at a certain age, then you go into your own you know, a self non self cleansing system. If it's mm. not supposed to be in your body, it will go out of the body and it has to keep things very specific like that. If you get something injected into you, if you get nanoparticles if you, in you, if you get fluoride in you, it may not be able to remove it properly. If your nutritional status is low, if you're under chronic stress, you don't sleep properly, mm -hmm. if you don't drink enough water and all of these things, right? And don't get enough sunlight or depressed yeah. all the time, you know, all of these things, um, then they store it. The body will try to store it in a place, hopefully, that's not going to do so much damage. Mm. And so we have mechanisms that are always having to detox. We're constantly detoxing mm. because we're always making waste. We're always repairing cells and therefore there's always going to be debris and it has to go out and the liver is in control of the majority of that mm -hmm. and the liver is reliant on magnesium and if you don't have enough magnesium then you are going to have a congested liver and everything's going to start backing up and they're going to start storing it in your joints and that's arthritis mm. or it's going to start storing it in the brain and that's parkinson's or it's going to start storing it in the heart vessels and that's having a heart attack or it's going to store it somewhere else in another vessel that's a stroke right mm. so you're going to have all the cancers etc so if you have magnesium ample magnesium in the system which i recommend topical because we don't digest it very well then you will, that system at least will be working for you. Okay. The boron or borax, because there's boron in borax and which I find fascinating that they've made illegal, this safe, effective, natural substance that comes right out of the earth. They've made it illegal in all these European countries. Because, borax? Yes. Really? Because <laughs> yes. I still clean yes. with it all the time. Yes, you can use it as a cleaning agent for laundry. You can find it in the laundry aisle of mm -hmm. your supermarket, at least here in Canada, you still can. Um, I stock up on it. And um, you, it gets rid of the fluoride. It cleans out the fluoride. When I was doing research on fluoride, like what actually will get it out of the body, that was the main thing that I found that will do it. There's a few other things like clays and stuff will help, but that's the biggest. And, um, but what it does is it denatures their silicone based nanotech that they're trying to get into us. And that is a very devious thing, what they're up to. It's really a soul snatching is what yeah. they're doing. I know many people have watched the matrix. That's exactly what they want to do. That movie, the matrix is, <laughs> is legitimately what they're trying to do with their AI systems. Mm -hmm. Soul steal and implant and do a switch. So the AI will switch. So they're making miniature of everybody. That's why they need all the Facebook information, all the data. They're data mining us. That's why they're going to yeah. spy on us. They need to know absolutely everything about us so they can make another of us so they can do the soul stealing, put us on ice and run the AI system. They're, it's it's yeah. evil genius. It's insane, right? <laughs> That's what they're playing. And so if you want to, if you want to put a cog, put what a, a wrench in their cog or whatever, yeah. then you 
you use the boron or the borax every day because that will get rid of the silicone-based life forms that they're trying to seed us with and change us from carbon to silicone-based. We don't want that. People, mm. people in the new age community think that that's awesome, that that's like what we want. No. Oh yeah. I've, I've heard that. What is it? I think yeah. it's like a 5d, I think maybe they're calling something. I don't know. I don't pay a lot of attention to that. Um, yeah. but I, I do find it fascinating. Yeah. The, the pineal gland and the fluoride is so interesting to mm -hmm. me. And so if you were to, um, give yourself borax, how would you administer that? So you can do basically just take a small pinch and put it in your water glass every day. That would be mm. probably the easiest way to do it. Um, on my blog at yummy.doctor, I do have, if you just search for borax, um, I have a few articles on how to use it for arthritis. It's a known cure for arthritis because mm. uh, it's very anti-inflammatory. Um, and uh, it's a, pr a process by where you put one teaspoon of borax in one liter of pure water. You let it dissolve, just label it, put it in a mason jar, put it in your fridge. And then for um, getting the elemental boron out of that, mm. you're going to take between one, uh, two and three teaspoons of that a day. You can mm. add that additionally into your water and just drink it. And that will give you uh, two teaspoons will give you seven milligrams of elemental boron and uh, three will give you about 10 uh, 10 to 12, depending on how well you're going to absorb it at that point. So that's really your daily task is make sure you're getting your boron and borax is the cheapest way to do it. And that's what's so amazing to me to see them ban it in all these places. I'm like, yeah, they're all, I never they knew know. about it. That's really interesting. We yeah. can still buy it here. So, um, mm -hmm. same I, here. I had never known that they did that in other places. And it is interesting to see the policies in different countries concerning these things that are age old, <laughs> mm. you know, we've had in our households for, you know, a long time. Uh, borax is an old standby. And mm -hmm. before uh, I let you go, the magnesium, now I had never heard anyone say that it's better topical. Um, but then again, this is a new sort of um, interest of mine. So mm -hmm. uh, is that something that you could buy like as a lotion that you would, or is this something that you've made a product yourself? Um, well, you can buy it in all kinds of topical forms. I make two forms. I make uh, just a, a simple natural topical magnesium spray called uh, Dr. Yummy Zen Magnesium. Mm. Uh, and I make a second one, which is actually a 50% DMSO solution with magnesium for even more rapid absorption and also getting DMSO benefits. Mm. Um, yeah, I, was, I saw you wrote a book about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, dimethyl have... sulfoxide. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So um, there's a lot to learn about that. That's a very powerful tool mm -hmm. uh, to have, especially in these times where you can't rely, obviously, on the medical profession. Um, they're falling apart. And uh, we the empowerment we discussed is really about how can I listen to my body and then give it the things that it needs so it can overcome properly rather than going to an allopathic cult member who's going to suppress my symptoms and lead me down the path of worsening disease. Mm. Right? And so knowing that is empowerment in and of itself. And then knowing what to do 
to prevent it going down that path is really where you feel like now you have that power and you can be your own doctor. And that's really where we all need to be. And they're trying to do the opposite. They're trying to make mm-hmm. that control us and own us and, and really perfect their slave system. Right. And we are trying to like free ourselves and <laughs> get back to basics and, and nature with the earth and like, you know, live uh, off grid and, and not be part of their, of their strange warped dystopian system. It's so we have definitely, you know, two camps before us here. <laughs> yeah, it's all an inversion of, I think, what would be actually quite a nice life on this uh, terrestrial yep. plane, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And it's really, you know, there's no other words, I think, for just sort of just plain evil. And, you know, the, the sort of pathologizing of evil is a whole nother conversation. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> that I gosh. find very interesting. What is the t- You said you were working on a book. Did you come up with a title yet? or? Yeah, it's called Cracking the Cult Code. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's basically like a, how, to, how to hack in to understand how cults, uh, cult programming mm-hmm. works in society. Mm-hmm. Um, and how to, how to break through that and how to overcome that. And, and basically I'm, I, I did it. So I wrote it as this huge thing where I was talking about like legitimate cults and then comparing it to the medical cult and whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's got a bit of a, it's actually just an editing nightmare is what yeah, it, it is now. A lot of yeah. legs. <laughs> a lot topic, of legs. That topic could go on for quite, uh, quite some time. And it's a, yeah. oh, kind of a fascinating one, you know, how yeah. how cult mentality works and you know uh, how yeah. they disseminate their information and what they use to manipulate their members and yeah again the mm-hmm. patterns that you can read in, in all of that and so that sounds really exciting and you know i'll have to keep up with you uh with you and and see when you put that out i'll be very excited to to pick up a copy yeah i think um with everything going on i mean there's been so much uncertainty and we're it's it's very stressful because now the the, like here in Ontario they've just given us another month-long lockdown which is makes no sense and it people just believe it like there's legitimately no law like they have nothing and and people are just doing it anyway like to be what on the safe side they make no sense and and I'm wait I'm waiting I'm like so are more people gonna figure it out this month or what like what what point are you gonna go well I can't eat I don't have a job anymore I've got like nothing left but I better protect myself from a virus I can't even see any evidence of like it's uh, amazing but the problem now is that they're vaccinating people and they're killing them and also they get when once they're vaccinated even if they're vaccinated from the flu vaccine they're testing the false positives on the PCR and so they're using that to actually bolster the numbers yet again right and actually, and now they, they have legitimate tests. this year. <laughs> oh, it, it did. It was gone. Gone. You know what happened? <laughs> All the people wore masks and social distance, so now there's no flu. But unfortunately, there's still COVID because people aren't masking and social distancing. Right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's what happens. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> such a wild ride, and um, the I think one of the things that keeps me going is just to see what will happen next. I suppose. But I yeah. really appreciate you taking some time out of your uh, busy schedule and uh, speaking to me and my audience about this. And um, yeah, if you ever want to speak mm-hmm. again, let me know. Um, super appreciate it. And 
I, that's that. Do you have anything to add before you leave the virtual? You know, realm? just uh, yeah, the virtual realm that I've been in <laughs> more than the outside realm. Um, yeah, I would I would just say to people to really turn off the television and stop yeah. listening, stop consuming their their lies, because mm -hmm. you can't get out of a cult if you keep listening to the leader. So mm -hmm. you have to stop. Um, programming yourself because they have very sophisticated hypnosis techniques through the television through the flicker rate that mm. is a there is a pat there are patents on that uh, that are very old from the 60s yep so they've mastered the manipulation of the mind and it'll suck you in like a good soap opera you know it'll just you'll start to doubt what you thought you just read like you'll listen to this interview and then you'll go and like listen to CNN and go well maybe I don't know it sounds really sophisticated and true it's uh, she must be wrong and they must be right you know it'll just <laughs> It'll just wreck your head. So just stop consuming it and start to think about how would you survive if, you know, the electricity was switched off or how would you live if the food prices like quadrupled? Um, you know, what, what would you do if you couldn't get gas in your car anymore? Or what will, will you do if, you know, they need, they are trying to force a test on you or vaccinate you, um, or else you can't travel anymore or you can't go into stores anymore. Okay. What would you do, you know, and, and really think deep about that because this isn't just like, oh, it's a harmless little shot or it's a harmless little test. They are putting stuff inside your body. You will never be able to get out of your body again mm -hmm. and will alter you permanently. Um, so it's a real good, you know, sit down, meditative, contemplative act. Just get, get right with some magnesium in your body and some boron and um, <laughs> start <laughs> cleaning it up and your, your mind will come back online and you'll be able to see through the veil and like, look at the, the, the man behind the curtain and realize you've been played and get mad. You can get mad and you can feel embarrassed and you go through all, you know, you mm -hmm. can deal with your shame and guilt and whatever you want, you know, to go on and then go find your nearest cons conspiracy theorist and apologize. <laughs> and then, um, <laughs> get right with yourself before it's too late. So that's really where my advice goes. Um, if you yeah. want any of the DMSO products that I make, I know we didn't get a chance to talk to talk about it, mm. but you can go to my website, which is yumnaturals.com and you know, it'll talk about them and you can get my book there mm -hmm. as well, healing with DMSO. And then, you know, learn about things that are are always something you want in your first aid kit, you know, and that's one of them that you want. And definitely medical, the medical establishment will say it's bad and dangerous. It's like colloidal silver is bad and dangerous. It'll turn you gray or this, this, um, you know, natural substance is terrible and you should never, you know, cause they, they have to control the narrative and they have to control their sales pitch. Mm -hmm. So be aware of that, that they will do that. They will always call it bad and terrible while their stuff is amazing. And they have all the power and money control and they own the media so they are the dominant ones so if you want to overcome that you have to realize the the goliath you know beast before you and then it's it's getting harder and harder to find that information due to rampant censorships so, oh yeah a lot of yeah. your videos were i think taken down a couple of mine have been i don't you know even have that mm -hmm. many subscribers on youtube so you know, yeah. it's all due to the algorithm and the code words, uh, the words yeah. that, you know, the, they'll find if you use certain ones. Um, yeah. yeah, the censorship is rampant. We really are entering into a very strange, I guess, mixture of, of 1984 and Brave New World. But uh, mm -hmm. I mean, 
again, Huxley knew all about what they were planning. So, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's how that, plan. that's why that book is, it's been a very long game. Yeah. So mm -hmm. yeah, thank you. Thank you again. And, um, uh, maybe we'll keep in touch and, uh, take care. Thank you so much. Sounds good. Thank you so much.